telling the truth of what it's like to be alive telling truths that people don't really talk about in everyday life because if they talked about it in everyday life you could just get it just from chatting with your friends or your colleagues or whomever but there's something about writing and art in general where people are just really digging deep and to me the best moments in life are also when i'm reading a book or hearing music or whatever where i feel like oh my gosh you know, that person just articulated something that i have experienced and i never really thought about it that way and I know exactly that person's heart and mind. I know them. And maybe they lived 2,000 years ago. And I still know them. With this book, Bittersweet, I have been feeling for my entire life. And there was an event that happened 25 or 30 years ago where I really felt it. I've been feeling my whole life when I would hear bittersweet minor key music, you know, music that expresses a kind of longing for some state that is forever elusive to us. I'd hear music like that, and it's supposedly sad, right? Minor key music is sad music, but I didn't feel sad. I love that kind of music. And what I felt when I heard it, what I still feel when I hear it, is joy and uplift and goosebumps and a kind of love and communion and like a gratitude to the musician that they were able to transform pain that all of us have in one way or another to transform pain into beauty. For those age 25 years and older, scientists and doctors tell me that's the age your frontal cortex is finally fully formed, whatever that means. Supposedly, this is the age that your brain is finished cooking. I'm not recommending anything in here. I certainly don't accuse anybody of anything. This is not any medical information. This is all a work of fiction, fantasy, and entertainment. Enjoy. comes from Susan Cain on the Timothy Ferris podcast, episode 538. Episode 538, if memory serves. The opening music comes from Choir of Downside School, Pearly and Viola Tunard. The song, of course, is called Cuckoo. And it's from the Wes Anderson movie. Well, actually, it's from a Wes Anderson movie. I'm not going to give away which one. Go watch all of his movies. This is a clip show. It's a quick 
quick clip show here. Um, I just recently released an album of electronic music, and so that's taken up a little bit of my time, my life, of course, in a transitional station. And uh, so the quotes here will reflect that transition. I find it fascinating that Susan, in the opening clip, you know, she puts forth the proposition that uh, sad music can also be uplifting. And that's true. What is the deal? What are you doing back there? Hey, come on. I'm in the middle of an introduction, and now I'm going to have to leave this in because it's ridiculous. Because the muses are going, how about your dog, huh? Just don't forget. What if you put your dog in the introduction? The muses are like a bad producer sometimes. Yeah, how about, these? How about this idea? What if we dress you up like a clown? Okay. Susan puts forth the proposition that um, when she reacted to minor key music, it was, she experienced elation. And I would say that elation is really a freedom that comes from the knowing that all life is difficult. And when you see other people being challenged, the reason that you feel uplifted in a strange and maybe embarrassing way, it's to know that your challenges aren't singular. You're not alone. We're all being challenged in an incredible way. An incredible way. In fact, the nature of our universe promises that, that our challenges will be more and more complex every day. Not just complex, but absurd and obscene. And when people encounter these challenges, they, they think, oh my God, I'm a weirdo. Nothing's like what I'm dealing with. I must be super special in a weird way. Their ego tries to quantify it however it wants. Everyone is dealing with an absurd challenge, a challenge they never thought possible. But there is a spectrum, and that's where compassion comes in. You should find those who are dealing with challenges harder than yourself and become an ally to them. This is our future as a tribe, as a group of tribes and collectives within America. Because I really can't speak to any other worldview. Everyone feels this urgency to become biologically sovereign now because they realize the masters have whips. And just because they flagellate you gently with mandates instead of laws, it doesn't mean you're going to escape. You are the popolo minuto. It is better to learn the game. And perhaps it is better to strive to become one of the masters. I don't think it is. I don't think your psychology and your spirit wants you to be a master. I don't think it's good to be a master of anything except for yourself. Be a master of yourself. Don't strive to be a master of humanity. 
Don't aspire to rule over others. Aspire simply to rule over yourself. You don't need to be famous. Except within your own family and tribe. Be famous for being generous. Be famous for being giving, for giving up, for always contributing. Be famous for that. All right, another classic introduction. Thank you for being here. This is an experiment. It is simply tracking one man's trajectory through the grand American decline. That may sound fatalistic. Oh, he's so doom and gloom. Really, am I? Or does that quote in the beginning truly articulate the nature of accepting and falling in love with what is actually happening to our country. Because if you're just going to stick your head in the sand and put on happy music all the time, I don't think that this place is the best location acoustically for your ear holes. This is a place of honesty, a place of um, experimental energy, a place of bravery, a place where people can feel safe as long as they are what they truly represent themselves to be. Come with your problems, come with your shortcomings, come with your challenges, but represent them honestly and be here with us as we represent our shortcomings to you. so grateful to be here. Let us consider these quotes now like a special kind of church for the soul. Maverick Matthews, Pepper for Your Steak. We thought we had something different here, you see. We live in both a very fragile and precious experiment in democracy, and we live in an empire that is experiencing profound decline reptilian agenda. Okay, well, let's talk about the reptiles. So you're saying the reptilians are luring humans to, like, Hawaii, to, vaca to vacation spots? To live this life, you can't live the life everyone else lives. You're not going to be partying on the weekends. You're going to be performing on the weekends. You're not going to be watching the big uh, game on a Thursday night because you'll be in a club have to have that mindset that you don't belong, you don't go to the rhythm of the rest of the world. Pepper for your steak. You're probably right, Dolores. Michelangelo did tell a lie. It took 500 years for someone to notice something hidden in plain sight. The doctor noticed the shape of the human brain. Message being that the divine gift does not come from a higher power, but from our own minds. Tell me, Dolores, did you find what you were looking for? And do you understand who you will need to become if you ever want to leave this place?
Anthony Hopkins in the television show Westworld is obviously playing Lucifer. The idea that to identify completely with your material self is to actualize your ego and allow your ego to supersede the concept of divine inception. Meditate on that for a while. <laughs> Moving on, quick clips. Pepper for your steak. You're writing this book, like, what, what was your goal? Like in this book, you just wanted to get your ideas out. You just well, wanted yeah, to the, the idea about yourself. Yes, well, the idea about being an artist. I wrote about this in the book too. It's like being an oyster, right? People say, "Oh, what's art good for?" It's good for changing people's minds. Oh no, that's why they have firearms, right? Art's not good for that. It's good for expressing myself. Well, that's why they have bores, right? They're good at expressing themselves. The artist creates because he's irritated. Just like the oyster, he creates the pearl because he's irritating. He, he can't use the pearl, right? Mm -hmm. And other people who aren't an artist might say, oh my God, who aren't an oyster? Yes, I see that the pearl, I'd like to make a pearl too. I know, I'll go to film school. <laughs> so it was just something you needed to get out. That, that's all I've done all my life, yeah. I'm, my whole life. like. I'm doing this for 50 years. I get up, I go to work every day, and I come home. I spend the day writing, reading, and taking a nap. You're, you talk about what's happening in this country almost like as if it's a mind disease. Um, a what disease? A mind disease. Well, it is. To a large extent, it is. But when you read the toys, I say I read the, read the Bible every day, read the Torah, the Jews are crazy, right? So it's Jews as the... To a largest extent, the progenitors of Western civilization, right? The, the Abrahamic religions, right? Judaism, Christianity, and, and uh, Islam all come out of this one tradition. But Moses takes the Jews out of Egypt, and the first thing they do is they say, fuck you. I want to go back. I don't like it here. Weren't, so weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Why do you bring us out to die in a desert? We have nothing to eat. So Moses says, well, what's your favorite food? They say, quail. So it rains down quail. And they eat the quail till they say the quail comes out of their nose. So then they come back to Moses. They say, you know, we're tired of quail. We're really tired of quail. He says, okay, I'm going to give you this other stuff. It's called manna. It's going to fall, and you gather it up, and it's going to taste like whatever is your favorite food that day. They get tired of manna. So from the moment that Moses takes them out of Egypt, they don't want to leave, until Moses dies, which is the end of the story, they want to kill Moses. <laughs> They're nuts. The people are fucking nuts. They see Moses part the Red Sea. He takes them out of Egypt. Pharaoh's army gets drowned. God appears in fire on the, on, on the uh, mountain. Moses says, okay, guys, wait here. I'm going to be back in 40 days. I want to talk to the big fellow. You know who I'm not talking about, right? The You're big, not talking about Biden? Yeah, that's right. Okay. I'm going to go up the mountain and talk to the big fellow. He's a half an hour late coming down, and they've torn off all their clothes, and they've made this molten calf, and they're worshiping the molten calf. They just saw God. Moses says, what the fuck? These people are nuts. And throughout the Torah, either he's saying to God, let me get rid of these people and start again, and God says no. Or God said, I tell you what, Moses, you get rid of the people, we'll start again. And Moses says no. But the, 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 
the Torah, the Jewish Bible, is the history of human insanity. That's what it is. And that's why it's a great idea to study it, because everything you see in the Torah, you're seeing around you and in yourself every day. The lesson here is that chaos is a necessary part of life. The best part of this is when... <laughs> this is David Mamet on Joe Rogan. I don't have the episode in front of me, but it's... April 2022, it's recent. David Mamet, the director on Joe Rogan. The best part in this is when he goes, <laughs> when Moses is like, what the fuck? <laughs> Mamet, this is an incredible podcast. It blows Joe's mind at a, at a lot of points. Go back and review this, an incredible piece of media. It's worth listening to. This is a golden gem. It spans a genius. And if you would like to see some of David Mamet's work, I put the quotes in here all the time. Go watch the movie The Edge with Anthony Hopkins. We have an Anthony Hopkins theme here. So that's that quote. Moving on. A couple more here, and then we'll get to the electronic music. Get that mind revved up. Warm up that engine. Most people would not know how to survive. Because mm, they wouldn't know what not to do. Yeah. In the name of tea, even though there is so much pain, see how tattooed people are, how poked up they are all over. If there was no pain, yeah, they've got all kinds of holes all over the place, all right? It hurts, I'm saying. I'm not yes, commenting no, yeah. on their fashion. I'm I saying it hurts. Saying. Yes. But in spite of that they're doing, if there was no pain at all, they would have uh, pulled out their intestines and walk on the street like a handbag, all right? <laughs> Probably. Yes. Yeah. If there was no pain, people would not even know how to survive. Right. So in that sense, pain is good for them. It prevents them from doing something absolutely destructive yes. towards themselves. So physical pain is a survival mechanism. That's a different aspect. But rest of the pain is caused in their own mind. Can I, I can cause physical pain to you, but can I cause mental pain to you? You can initiate something no, that no. I might will do nonsense all right react. I will do total nonsense but it's you who causes that pain within yourself by reacting in a certain way okay so if I initiate things in a language that you don't understand you're just fine all yeah, right it doesn't work right. so it is not my words or my actions which are causing pain to you it's your compulsive reaction yes which is causing that this is a beautiful concept but for a lot of people they develop these patterns of behavior and thinking that are very difficult to break. So how does one come up with the practices that would allow them to consistently and continually understand this and apply this to their life? See, uh, the patterns are formed not only in the psychological structure. The patterns are formed in the chemical structure of the body. The patterns are formed in the energy structures of the body. The patterns are formed in the karmic structures of one's uh, system. So the memory patterns establish themselves in every way and make you that kind of person, all right? But that that kind of person you are is something that you created unconsciously. If you can create something unconsciously, you can also create the same thing consciously, isn't Damn. it? So you can fix the same thing consciously, you mean? No, I'm saying if you create one kind of persona unconsciously, yes. you can also create another kind of persona consciously, yes. isn't it? 
Yes, you can make a conscious choice to create a healthy So right now, because the patterns patterns are so well established, it's like a rut in the street, a road, all right? Yes. If there is a deep rut in the road, even if you steer it this way, it drags you that way. Yes. Again, this is Sadhguru on Joe Rogan. A lot of Joe Rogan in this particular episode. He's been fucking nailing it lately. I don't listen to every episode anymore, but I kind of do because I need to know. You can tell pretty quick. The Sadhguru episode on Joe Rogan is probably the top 20 podcasts of all time right now. That's how important it is to listen to. We're going to do one more quick quote here, maybe one or two. This next one comes from Gavin DeBecker. Episode 1800 on Joe Rogan. I'm not going to make an excuse for having so much Joe Rogan. I'm an aggregator of ideas, and he happens to be propagating the most important ones right now. So consider this. Pepper for your steak. Encrypted messages apps, you think they're a problem because a, a tiny fraction of the people that use it are up to nefarious actions? Yeah. Well, it's a goofy, you know, the government equation uh, throughout human history is always to... Uh, Uh, protect its power as much as possible and the absolute wet dream of every government on earth is uh, is the internet and the way we engage with it right i mean if you read 1984 still a fantastic book by the way interesting thing it's 70 years old that book and uh year before last the 2020 um it was the 17th best-selling book in the country it was a top 20 best-selling book wow isn't that encouraging though about people having their head screwed on right in other words that they were aware that some of what they're seeing is not just pandemic or is not just politics it is also a a you know profound gathering of power yeah and uh there's never been a day in human history not a moment that there weren't well-funded people close to people in power working on the best new weapon uh and uh or the best new method for controlling other people Clouds will always be gathering. You must always train, prepare for rain. It's going to get weird. That's Gavin DeBecker on Joe Rogan. Okay, enough Joe Rogan. I've been rereading all of Jim Harrison's work. This is the author who wrote Legends of the Fall, an incredible... It's actually a short story in a novella, collection of short stories. The movie is amazing. It's really a testament to the fact that life is challenging. So this is from the book. I'm pretty sure this is from the book um, Returning to Earth. Go check out Jim Harrison's work. Consider this quote. And she studied them closely, finding with delight that none were perfect and that we shared imperfections with the dogs that followed us around, keeping at a discreet distance during our lovemaking. Despite my caution, I sipped again at the canteen and noted between the spaces of a group of ash trees that the storm had drawn closer. I felt overwhelmed by the sheer density of the reality around me, the water, the dogs, the impending storm, the still warmish breeze pushing the floating leaves across the spring, the thicket, perhaps 50 yards distant, where I had found my mother, and lastly, 
this sandbank where Adele loved to play as haphazardly as any mammal. We had camped here in a full moon on a warm August night when her ebullience came close to hysteria. And though I was young and half mad myself, I justly feared for her sanity. All of our idle, even enthralling thoughts of sexuality are the weakest possible shadows of the prolonged act from the very first meeting to whenever it may end. Our thoughts and our art reach so feebly toward the texture of our passion. Now I can smell her neck and the back of her knee with the sand stuck to her damp skin, the sand trickling into her footprints, her head emerging from the water, the rivulet of water between her breasts, her breath, the odor of the green pears we had been eating, how she wished to make love like dogs do, with her back arched downward at her small waist, and how she ground her face into the damp sand, whipping her long, wet hair from side to side. I saw her teeth in the moonlight when she said she wished to be called Neva, after the Russian river, for reasons only God could trace. Jim Harrison is one of America's great treasures. His work, and if you haven't read any Jim Harrison, it's akin to Norman Mailer or Henry Miller, maybe even Cormac McCarthy, but McCarthy has a, such a bent towards violence. Um, and you can actually see McCarthy ripping off Harrison. Uh, if you look at movies, uh, what was that most recent one he did? about the lawyer who runs away or who want, who gets involved in the drug trade. That's straight out of a Harrison riff. The reason I've included Jim Harrison here is because his mastery extends into that same thing that the opening quote talks about. The lives of the people in his novels are inherently sad, but it's because that is honest that is the true nature of our experience. That's why the first noble truth of the Buddha is that life is suffering. But what do we do with that? How do we carry it? And Harrison's novels are all about finding the dignity amidst suffering and most importantly about an honesty in that search. Doing it with honesty. Because when your eyes are open to truth, they find more beauty. Instead of denying the world and what it is, you actually uncover the good along with the bad. Because it is balanced in some way. We are lucky to be here. Elation does exist. We can have these momentary breaks from the pain that is this reality. But the only way you can truly appreciate those is if you acknowledge that it isn't all a momentary break. Now, if you're some Trustafarian partying on a yacht surrounded by women in bikinis, you might miss this point because you, you'll, you'll say, my life is bliss from start to finish. But you're wrong. Just wait. Just wait for another leaf to turn. And you will find that every human, whether they are um, some rich Arabian prince wearing gold underwear, all the way down to the poorest homeless person, you know, or a person in a mental hospital, we will all experience a range. 
And now with the exception of people who don't have all their mental faculties, there certainly are psychopaths who may not feel sad a day in their lives. And that's why we consider that to be a dis-ease. Because sadness is important. You're supposed to acknowledge it. You're supposed to bear it with dignity. And you're not supposed to run away from it. You're supposed to face it. This is the hero's journey. This is how you become the hero of your own novel. And if there's anything I want to teach here, because ultimately this is a lesson over and over for myself, you can't truly know anything until you teach it to others. Many of life's challenges will require the entire time to, to unravel. And then many of those challenges and mysteries will never unravel. You know, for example, in Buddhist doctrine, they talk about several things you're not supposed to contemplate because they will make you mad. You're just supposed to accept them and understand them. People like Sam Tripoli talk about this as being the rules for the game. They're just the rules. That's how the game is set up, and you can't fight them. You can't fight the fact that the judicial system in our country is not set up to be fair. It's set up for, for the powerful. You have, to, you have to work with that. You have to play chess accordingly, in other words. And we are taught to believe a set of rules from birth in Western society in America that is simply untrue. That this is Disneyland, that things are easy, that love comes free and quick and shouldn't have any challenges. These are lies. And I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but my message is to accept the burden of your responsibility in this incarnation as something you're lucky to shoulder and it will only get harder and that is okay because that means you are getting stronger and that's what you're here to do because you can then translate that strength to others and that translation is really where your compassion will grow and where your contribution becomes meaningful sure it's great to work on ourselves but if you can polish yourself up to a level where you can help others polish themselves and improve their lives, improve their cognition, improve their experience of this reality, that is, that is truly a gift to the universe. My mentors, Jack Cornfield, Tony Robbins, you know, there's so many. Wayne Dyer, um, I, could, I could list them forever. Earl Nightingale. Um, uh, anyway, I, I, I could sit here and just list them, but there's so many people who have helped me on my life's journey. Your job should be to become that for someone else. And if you have children, this becomes apparent immediately as your most important contribution to them. But even without children, you have to realize that we're all children of the world. This sounds like a trope, but this is the key towards harmonious tribes in the future. And it's that we have to figure out what we can give to each other, not what we can take. So much of this world is focused on what can I get from these people? You know, as a refugee of Hollywood, I can tell you for sure that there's people there, you can't, you'll never know if they're actually your friend. You, you'll suspect the entire time that they're just trying to get something from you until you really learn to, to polish this faculty. The bullshit detector Hemingway referred to it as. Get rid of those people in your life. You don't have to be mean about it. You have to isolate them. 
because you need to surround yourself with people who are trying to give things away. I am now so lucky to be around people like Jim Gales, Sam Tripoli, Joe Rogan even. People who are trying to give ideas to the masses. Ideas of how to garden. Ideas of how to become biologically sovereign. This is where the Quan in life is. Thank you for indulging this closing monologue. Um, because all these quotes are so heavy, I'm going to put a little fun one in here. And then we'll do the electronic music. So this next quote is from The Righteous Gemstones, a television show certainly worth watching about the perversions of spirituality and materialism. Great show, directed and written by Danny McBride. Not a paid promotion, just I'm an aggregator of information. That's what I do. So go check out The Righteous Gemstones. Here's a great, uh, a quick monologue from one of the characters in there. Um, if you ever rode Excite Bike, I think it was Excite Bike when, uh, that he's playing. It's a motorcycle video game from the 80s. It was one of the original uh, interactive games where you could get on the motorcycle and tilt it back and forth and drive it around corners. This television show has a lot of throwbacks like that, so it's fun. There's a nostalgia involved in the story that, that Danny has put in there, which is really cool. So thank you for being here. Get ready to exercise. I hope this introduction or this first half of the podcast rather sparked some ideas. Explore them as you train. This electronic music is written specifically for trail running, but you can use it however you want. Thank you for being here. Please consider going to my website, maverickmatthews.com and checking out the electronic music album I just released there, Mindfire. Kind of a cliche name, but... These things, in my artistic experience, they name themselves. I'm pretty proud of that product. I wrote most of it on an iPad. You're still sitting there modulating the sounds. It's just like playing an instrument. You have to create all, you know, especially when I was doing the strings. Pay close attention to the strings. Those are all played on an iPad. The only organic instrument in there actually is, is the guitar. And you'll hear a couple tracks with the guitar in it. But mostly this is music for training for putting you in a flow state, for getting you into a different state of mind psychologically. It's a little heavy. And I think this podcast and these quotes demonstrate why. Okay, here is the quote from Righteous Gemstones and then the clean version of the DJ mix, Maverick Matthews, Pepper for Your Steak. Playing with this guy? Early versions included a boss bad guy known as Dark Diablo, a classic Devil King sort of villain. When Dark Diablo would enter the level, he would make a series of roars. To most, it sounded like garbled noise sounds. But to the keen ear, he was clearly saying, I'm the devil. You're mine. Be a part of my kingdom. Yeah, it's messed up. Tons of kids were exposed to that game. Parents' groups and churches were like furious. So they took Dark Diablo out. Now it's just like a shark bad guy. With like a shark top and muscle man bottom. He's got like muscly regular legs. You know, not shark fins. And he doesn't say anything satanic. He just tries to bite you. It's a much better version. Sounds better.
again, not getting paid to promote this show. I'm an aggregator of information, but go watch The Righteous Gemstones. They just greenlit season three. I'm excited. Okay. Here comes the electronic music. Now, I've decided to start releasing these sets essentially clean from the psychological anchoring that I usually do. So it'll just be the the music. There's one anchor in here, but essentially this is the clean version. I will release um, a programming remix, a neuroacoustic programming remix, with just the music next, but I'm going to wait a few days. So here you go. Thank you for being here. Check out maverickmatthews.com for more information. From the Falcon House, deep in the North Woods, this is Pepper for Your Steak. <laughs> 